With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amazing Avenue's Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Seifer, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson, and happy July 4th, and happy good Mets win. Yes. Ah, uh, you'd love to see the Yankees losing in Metsian fashion. Though, unfortunately, we've still yet to have one of these games that was as bad for the Yankees as the infamous Luis Castillo game. Ah, stop. Uh, I do think it's pretty funny that immediately after the game, Cole and Chapman were announced as All Stars. <laughs> um, because press they were next to doubt. Yeah, <laughs> literally immediately after, it was like they're announcing the All Star game. I'm sure they're having a blast in the locker room celebrating that one right now. You gave up ten runs to the worst offense in baseball. Congrats. <laughs> Maybe because you play in a joke of a home stadium or something. And Spider Tech merchants. Mm. Mm, well, that's all right, because Nestor Cortez is going to wipe the floor at them, I'm sure. <laughs> Soft-tossing lefty with some funk. That's going to be a thing. All right, so let's start off this week with Promote Extend Trade, and we're going to switch things around a little bit, and someone else is going to do it. Yeah, so uh you know how I said I was going to drop video game Promote Extend Trades on you? Get ready for your first Promote Extend tra- Trade based on video games. All right. Um, I did. Uh, I, I will say I spent some time looking for like 
some sort of chuckle-worthy historical misdirect I could go with. Like, this birthday was super important today, and it's not 4th of July, but none of them were good enough. So instead, I went with uh, Promote, Extend, Trade, these uh, three 4th of July-adjacent video games. The mm. first, uh, Independence Day. Not the, not the movie, the game for the Sega Saturn slash PC slash PS1. <laughs> okay. I didn't think a Sega Saturn was going to start this one. But yeah, here we are. Uh, so full disclosure, I haven't played this one. Uh, I think I saw it in an arcade once, but I watched some YouTube videos of it being played, and it's about what you'd expect from a fighter jet yeah. game of that era. So you get the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, option two, Wolfenstein, the new Colossus, which for those of you who aren't aware is an alternate history where the Nazis actually won. And instead of 4th of July being Independence Day, it's changeover day when everyone has to start speaking German. And you know, what's more American than a game about killing Nazis? Uh, final game, Assassin's Creed 3, which is, uh, set in the oh, revolutionary yeah. period where you're playing as both Desmond Miles in the present day and his ancestor Connor, who is half Native American, half British, member of the Assassins, fighting for uh, the American Revolution. So promote, extend, trade the three of these, and I have a hot take on the one to trade that I will wait to share. Well, I enjoyed Assassin's Creed 3, so I'm going to extend that one. Mm-hmm. And there's also not, it was, it was kind of fun, A, running around in revolutionary downtown sure and that's definitely a setting that you don't see a lot of colonial america in video games so i will extend that it's a fair take i mean um, go ahead, go go ahead, ahead. oh yeah because i was just going to say they they nailed the new wolfenstein games i love them mm-hmm. like the last one was like a weird co-op one but we don't have to talk about it. but like the two mainline ones that they recently made are so good. So I'm extending new Colossus because I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, so I will agree with Thomas and extend new Colossus, but my hot take is that I am hardcore trading Assassin's Creed three. Okay. Because Lucas, the bed takes machine strikes again. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm back. baby. I never left. Um, so listen, Assassin's Creed 3, on its own, like as a freestanding game, not bad. Not as good as Assassin's Creed 2 or Revelations mm. or Brotherhood. Pretty good game. And like Steve said, a pretty unique setting. But it was at that moment that the Assassin's Creed franchise just like went off a cliff, in my opinion. Because they had established this really interesting story. And it seemed like Assassin's Creed 3 was going to bring it to a satisfying conclusion or something and they just said jk we're gonna keep making these every year forever because we can make money and honestly fuck annual franchises so i am trading assassin's creed 3 it's the ea way oh yes oh now i'm sad about bioware (laughs) assassin's creed did win me back with the last two though i actually like them quite a bit yeah i've heard good things but i just they're they're good like, they are, but I know what you're saying. Like, they kind of, they jumped the shark for me, and then I took a few years off, and then I got Odyssey. I think Odyssey came before. I always get them mixed up because the names are very similar, but Trevor One came out a few years ago in Egypt, and I was all back in, and yeah. then I've been back in since. Because they're actually good. Like, they figured out the formula so perfectly that it's, like, kind of like Far Cry, where, like, 
if I take a few years off of one, I'll just go right back to the new one and I get what I need from it for like 20 hours and then I'm good. You know what I mean? Like I don't I, need I, to. I get, I get, I absolutely get that. My thing is just, uh, if I, I do, I, pl- I play multiplayer games, but I also, like, I got you. Yeah. I would much prefer to play a single player game with a really rich story. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, when you turn these things into like really serialized installments, the, story falls away i think like the the best part of assassin's creed to me was like the background story not the like Ezio story was great obviously but really i want to know what's happening with desmond and how that's playing out and then they just kind of oh they went in the opposite direction for you then <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that they like ignored the overarching story and just focused on all right the game has a good story I'm like, all right it's just another rpg though like where's the yeah i got you yes they 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 really Step all that stuff back because, like, they I, I don't really know why, but now I, mean, I think they stepped it back because it reached a logical conclusion, and they're like, no, we don't want to stop making these. Actually, so that's probably true. Yeah, didn't Desmond die? I'm not yes. remembering. Yeah, all right. So, well, spoiler alert: he dies at the end of Assassin's Creed Three, and they're like, nah, J.K., we're going to keep this going. Well, again, that's the EA way, baby. Mm-hmm. Because everyone keeps buying their sports games and making them oodles of money, which gives yep. them the ability to just run all these other franchises into the ground. Honestly, the uh, what is the Egyptian one and the Greek one, and I haven't played the Nordic one, but just standalone games in and of themselves, I would play. They they mm-hmm. seem you know they're good. It doesn't need to be Assassin's Creed. It could be you know Viking Warrior and oh yeah, yeah. Warrior. yeah. I mean, it's Assassin's Creed in mechanics. Like, it feels like all the other ones. And they've pretty much perfected that game cycle. And if you need, if you feel that fix, you could always go back to it and you get what you need from it and then you're good. Like, it takes me forever to play those games now. Because whenever I have the itch to play one, I just chip off a little bit. Because it's an easy game to fall back into. Yeah, they are big games now, too. Sorry, I'm too busy replaying, spending 300 hours replaying Mass Effect and just sobbing <laughs> for a solid third of that. Never played that series. We will talk about this offline, Steve. <laughs> All right, well, other things now we could talk about that are not related to the Mets are the CTBL, KBO, and NPB. And we'll check in first with the Unilions, the Taiwanese team, and there's still no games in Taiwan. And there won't be in the foreseeable future, but good thing that the cases are already starting to go down and they are starting to get things back under control. So that's good. Moving on now to the Korean team, the LG Twins. They went two and three and they had a bunch of games canceled because of rain. So they are now 42 and 32 on the year, which is three and a half games behind the first place Samsung Lions. And nothing really noteworthy happened, good or bad, this week. So we'll move on now to the Japanese team, the Occult Swallows, and they went two and three with a tie. So they are 38, 29, and eight, which is four games behind the Hanshin Tigers. So they lost uh, half a game between last week and this week. Um, Yamada, he had a strong week. He went seven for 23 of four home runs. Um, Munitaka Murakami is a little less successful. He went 4 for 24 with two home runs. But still, they are number one and number two in, in the Central League in home runs. And they are two and five in total OPS. So really can't complain about either one of them. 
And now we will head back over here, and we have some news points to discuss this week uh, regarding the Mets minor leagues. First one of the two is the Futures game. Uh, the rosters were released this week, and for anyone who isn't aware of what the Future game is, it's basically the prospect all-star game. Uh, prospects from different levels, they're selected, and the two teams... In the past, it was split between the international prospects and Team USA, but this year it's going to be um, American League and National League. But, you know, two teams, two all-star teams play each other. And two Cyclones, Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty, were selected. So they're going to be joining uh, top prospects from all over baseball, and it's definitely a, a fun game. Did either one of you guys get to go in 2013 when it was at City Field, or... And I would wish. Mm. Yeah. That was fun. That was a fun game. I was there. Yeah, I had a lot of fun players on it, right? Yeah. Um, Noah Syndergaard started for mm-hmm. the Team USA, and then Rafael Montero started for oh, yes. uh, the international team. I still have the program, and I dug it out. And I was looking. I was looking back and seeing. I think more fun than the guys that did make it to the majors are just some of the guys that didn't work out. It's uh, definitely a trip down memory lane. There's Miguel Almonte, Jesse Biddle, not not Garen, uh, excuse me, not Gavin, but Garen Caccini. Um, At the time with the Red Sox, right? Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. Anthony Ronaldo, um, Andre Rienzo. Sure. Henry Arrudia. There's definitely a a bunch of names. You know, Obi-Wan. You know, I've not heard that name in, in a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> Taiwan Walker, I'm seeing on the roster too yeah. with uh, Syndergaard. That's and James McCann. Yeah, there was All quite right. a few Mets. Nemo. Yep. Quite a few Mets. Um, they could have had Springer this off season. Man, she could have reassembled the the futures roster from 2013. <laughs> Dilson uh, Herrera, Pickles. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Lindor. Man, it just keeps going here. This is great. <laughs> so most teams had two players picked this year. A couple only had one, and then as a result, a couple had three. Uh, the Mets system, as as we know very well, is pretty bare to begin with, and a lot of players are underperforming. But I think the case could definitely be made that two guys were snubbed. Mark Vientos... And or Carlos Cortez. Um, let's I can't talk about Cortez. Said Carlos Cortez. I know. Well, we'll we'll, just, we'll we'll decide if if he was snubbed or not. But uh, through 48 games now, he's hitting 284, 347, 537, or nine homers, which is good for a 135 WRC plus. So sure. <laughs> technically, technically, in quotation marks, he's an outfielder now. So let's look at the outfielders on the National League team. There's Brennan Davis from the Cubs, Mike Harris and Drew Walters from Atlanta, Helio Ramos from San Francisco, Alec Thomas from Arizona, and Ryan uh, Valade from Colorado. All those guys have more prospect clout than Cortez. And Cortez is... uh, I don't know if I'd say considerably older, but a bit older than all those guys. But he's performing better than basically everybody. Only Harris and Thomas are actually putting up good numbers. The Futures game is kind of more 
status than performance. I was just about to say that. This kind of yeah. shows that the Futures game is more about, like, who you are in the top 100. And, Every, like, everyone came like, out of the woodwork to yell at me when I was complaining about, uh, fucking Jason Dominguez being on this roster. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is ludicrous. Yeah, he has all of, like, he, has literally, he had literally one game when he was named to the Futures game. Oh, even more than that, jeez. Yeah, it was like just when he got named, he like just made his debut. <laughs> and I get why, because yeah. everyone wants to watch him. And mm-hmm. also, like, is Cortez a better prospect than any of the dudes you named? No. No. <laughs> you know, he's just having a good season. It's not like an all-star game. Like, it's more like a this is who you might see in the future game, and you might not see Cortez in the future, no matter how good he's playing right now. Yes, I am ruling that he was not robbed. Hmm. Um, the bit more interesting one now is Vientos. Through 41 games, he's hitting 271, <laughs> 343, 568 with 12 homers, which is good for a 139 WRC+. Plus. The other third basemen that are on team uh, are on the National League team are Spencer Torkelson, Brett Beatty, and Nolan Gorman. Torkelson's playing third. I didn't realize what position he was playing. He's like first and third. He split. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wasn't sure if he was going to be listed, like where he was going to be listed. But in 48 games, he's been at high A mostly, and then he just kind of recently got promoted to Double A. He has. Um, you know, pretty solid numbers. I would say probably uh, above solid numbers. He has a 170 RC plus in high A, and then 128 in double A. Brett Beatty, as we know, he's having a good season. Um, he's hitting 323, 417, 524 in high A, which is good for a 160 RC plus. And then Nolan Gorman. Now he's basically played. Majority of his time in Double A, and he has a couple of games in Triple A, and he has a 130 RC plus in Double A, and then a negative 21 in Triple A. But <laughs> that's that's okay. Um, Vientos is the second youngest of that group. Nolan Gorman is the only one that's younger. Mm-hmm. Vientos does have prospect clout. He does, yeah. He he is hitting just as well as those guys. So I I'm going to rule that Vientos was robbed here. <sighs> I wonder if because Beatty made it, like, are they going to put two Mets third base prospects on the roster, you know? Well, like, technically, either one, I guess, is an outfielder now as well. <laughs> Has Vientos actually appeared in the outfield yet? Yeah, like yeah. two days ago or something. No, maybe last week. Man. But he did. He played left field. I have more faith in Beatty's ability to play the outfield, I think. But Agreed, yeah. Yeah, I think they're just doing it. Like, yeah. To see what it looks like. Um, I mean, we know Steve is the resident Mark Vientos uh, hype man, so. <laughs> I mean, he's been good, especially since the first month. I think if he was this good in the first month, he would have made it, just like yeah. bullied his way in. But I think they're just giving it to other people, just because the Mets already have a third baseman and he struggled for a bit. Fair. What would have sucked is I think Allen would have been a lock if he didn't hurt himself. He would have. Liked I that. think that really would have depended on how well he was playing. I, I don't mean, know. I think he, he's a, he would yeah. have not allowed a single earned run yet. So <laughs> would have been having a Jacob Degrom caliber stretch in in Brooklyn, you know, and 
God. Actually, think about it. That would be – he probably could because, again, in Brooklyn. And with how the hitting's been? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, – I think it would have been a possibility, but I won't go out and say it was a certainty. That's fair. And I don't have any problem with Mauricio not making it, but I am the resident Mauricio downer, so also not surprising. But he's been a little up and down. Yeah. Quick, trade him for Jose. Trade him and Dom for Jose Barrios before they remember both of them are bad. I think they're going to trade Mauricio at some point. I just don't know if it'll be midseason or if they want to um, capitalize on getting someone like one of their best prospects, mm-hmm. trading him for someone who's you get a full year. You know, like I don't know how they view that internally, mm-hmm. but I think he's the guy who they trade just with how good Beatty's been and how good Alvarez has been, and you're going to trade Allen after. Uh, Tommy John surgery that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, there's there's no one that's going to be available save Catel Marte, who the Diamondbacks supposedly aren't going to make available. That is which is bizarre to me. I don't know why they're doing that, but yeah, but it's like no one aside from him I, that it would feasibly be available would be worth Beatty or Alvarez to me. Agreed. I yep. agree with that. Yep. So trade Mauricio for the next tier of guys. You just got to find the team who thinks Mauricio is better. Really. Yep. All right, now our second news item for the week is an update on something that we talked about last week. Uh, minor league advocates, they compared and contrasted how the Phillies compensated their minor league players as opposed to the Mets. And, you know, this is all old news, but it got some traction online and then some major media outlets started reporting on it. And now uh, on Saturday morning, yesterday over the weekend, Steve Cohen uh, said, quote, we are looking into this, and we will have a comprehensive response by late next week. This is news to me, and I want to be thoughtful and not reactive in my actions. We need to examine our treatment of coaches, too. End quote. So, on, on one hand, great. But, on the other I, hand, come the fuck on. Yeah, I, I, okay, you, go, you guys go first, and I'll... I just don't know how he doesn't know. Like, like I feel like that's something he would have found out by now. But let's see what he what they do. Like I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna say oh what the, whatever the Mets do is not enough because inside it's entirely possible they just change the whole game and do everything right and we're celebrating them in a week or two weeks whenever they announce the changes. But I don't know how you don't know yet. Like that's really the thing for me. Like yeah, like I feel like you should know that by now if you're looking into it or not. Like it's entirely possible that they've trying to really figure out what to do and how to make it right. And it just came out when they didn't want it to come out, like the situation, the minor league situation with the Mets. We'll see. I feel like I would have known by now, but also that's a lot of projecting me onto a situation that I'm not in, you know? I mean, Cohen does have some experience claiming not to know what's going on (laughs) in his books. So, you know, but yeah, I find it hard to believe that this is the first time that he's... I could, I can believe that it's the first time that he's given thought about it because, you know, do I expect a CEO of a company to know how much staples cost? You know, how much did they buy their company's staples? No, I don't expect that. It's a banana, Michael. How much could it cost? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, it's not like the, the price of staplers has been the subject of numerous books and social media exposés and, and freaking bills introduced to Congress. And to me, I think it's just like, you know, he's done good things. He's, he's re, re, what's the word? He, he's gonna be, 
whipping the whole HR, Mets HR staff into shape and all those policies. I think he handled COVID well with yeah, all those workers, workers that they paid and, and all that kind of stuff. But to me, honestly, just just take the L. You got publicly shamed. Don't say like, oh, I didn't know about this because yeah, that just makes you look dumb. Just say, you know, we are going to address it. You don't need to hold, put, put the whole, I don't know what's going on. So I can agree with that last part, but at the risk of being a <laughs> accused of being a billionaire bootlicker or what have you. Oh, uh, God, there's a lot of those, man. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I just, just love the I, taste I know of what you're going to say is not, is, is not, you're not like Uncle Steving it up on Twitter or whatever. So. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I think your point about don't con- don't say anything is definitely fair, but yes, that's very, my that's my big problem with it. I I, can, I I have no defense of that. He's just very online. That's how he is. I on the other hand, I think it's more reasonable than you guys that he wouldn't have known about this because he does not strike me as an. I mean, this is something we've lauded him for before. He's not yeah. an owner that seems particularly interested in meddling in day-to-day operations, right? He's a it fan. It sounds like he's not, yeah. Right. And from what we know, he hasn't, right? Maybe, look, if there's an expose in 10 years and he's been meddling this whole time, this explanation <laughs> falls away, right? But he's not Fred Wilpon sitting or, or Jeff Wilpon sitting in these meetings and probably gleefully laughing about not playing, paying minor leaguers. Like he comes off much more just like a fan who has several orders magnitude more money than a normal fan, but a normal fan still who's just kind of casually enjoying the game and also happens to own the team. And whether that's, I, I don't think that absolves him of all responsibility, right? Like, it's still his, it's the, it, the buck still should stop with him eventually, but I'm also not going to critique him as if this is, as if he's a Wilpon or as if he's another longstanding MLB owner who has let this issue lie for far too long. I also think that there's blame to be spread around with the front office. And, Absolutely. And if you want, if you want to criticize Sandy or yes, whoever else, like, yes, fair. Absolutely. Like, I think they all deserve blame. Like, yes. honestly. <laughs> like, like Cohen too and everyone else because even, like, let's say that you're right and Cohen isn't very involved and he's just kind of like writing the checks and getting out of the way. Mm-hmm. Then anyone could come to him and be like, hey, we're well behind in this and mm-hmm. we shouldn't be, you know? Mm-hmm. Like no, Zach Scott right. or Sandy or whoever's in the minor leagues or something. And maybe they have and someone else shut it down. Who knows? We have no idea and we probably never will know the behind the scenes of who was making these decisions but just yell at all of them <laughs> you know yeah, because- i mean it wouldn't surprise me if literally the only person he talks to ever is sandy right mm-hmm. and, i would not be surprised and i would also be very unsurprised if sandy kind of doesn't give a shit about paying minor leaguers no he's he's old school part of the establishment exactly yep. right Yep. So again, this doesn't this doesn't absolve Cohen of all responsibility, but I'm willing to give him a chance to make it better. But like I said last week, when I tried to make this point and bungled it a bit, if if we reach the off season, or I guess more fair to say, if we reach next season and the situation is the same or still just not adequate at that point, then yeah, it's it's Cohen's fault. Honestly, I think Cohen sped up that timeline when he he said himself. Mm-hmm. That in like two weeks or whatever, or next week, we're going to have like a better, like, for- layout of this. 
Mm-hmm. Now he's put his name on that and said, mm-hmm. we're going to put it out soon. Yep. So now that he said that, now he has to, if it's in two weeks and it's a bad, like, it's not enough or it's very little or it's just a half measure, then we could say something about that, you know? Yes. Because uh, he's, he's put himself out in front and saying, it'll be handled soon. He shouldn't right. have said that. Like, that was a stupid thing to say, but also... He just wants to say stuff on Twitter like he did during the entire Lindor negotiation. Like, I think that's just what we're going to have to deal with as fans. Yeah. Like, that's I mean, this, this whole defense of him I've just made has fallen apart now if he doesn't do anything in two weeks. Because now yeah, he course. does know, right? Yeah. So if he, he said do anything, it, then I'm on board with trashing the dude. Yep. The, the crux of the issue is that the Mets were not providing adequate stipends for housing for the players so in you know a week whatever it is i expect that they'll increase the housing stipends and travel stipends that the players maybe they'll give them back pay for spring training and extended spring training but i don't see him rocking the boat and like being the guy being the baseball maverick that you know changes everything because at the end of the day he is even though he is the richest and maybe and and newest and maybe most open to change. He is still a member of the you know twenty nine member old boys club that is major league baseball ownership, and mm-hmm. he's not gonna. I I don't think that he's going to be like, oh yes, we're gonna pay all of our minor leaguers twenty dollars an hour starting you know whatever. Like that will explode yeah, everything. I also wouldn't be surprised, and I think we alluded to this idea before on the pod that there was some wink wink nudge nudge agreement when he bought the team not to blow things up too badly mm-hmm. i don't know if there was an explicit agreement about the minor leagues in that conversation uh but you know if, if there was some sort of under the table agreement there maybe he won't do too much but of course he has enough money and he owns the team now he should just do whatever the hell he wants yep well we will see i will Treat this like I treat the Mets. I expect nothing, and <laughs> if anything good happens, I will be extremely happy. Yeah, I expect nothing, and I'm still disappointed. <laughs> I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So time to now go over the Mets affiliates and see how everybody is done. And first up on the Syracuse Mets, and they went 2-2 two and two with a rain postponement, and again, that they're going to be playing later tonight after we record. So they are 14-37 and 37 on the year, which is only 21 games back, but they are no longer the worst team in minor league baseball, so yay, I guess. 
moving on up. The Vizalia Rawhide are now 13 and 40. So they just they just they're getting reinforcements. Albert Almora is heading heading to Triple yep. Don't <laughs> worry. We're yeah, I mean we're kind of at the point where on that team. Khalil Lee is the only guy worth paying attention to, and then there's a handful of other guys that, you know, might at, at any given time might be hitting. Right now it's Brandon Drury and Mason Williams. They're both hitting. It was As like, a whole, though, like two weeks ago. Yeah, like it's just not a compelling team in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And even Khalil Lee, uh, he's not bad. He's but, still striking out a lot. Right? He's doing everything, but like it's, he's playing and hitting well, but he's striking out a lot, right? Yeah, this week he hit uh, 250, 231, 417 in four games, so it's not a good, not yeah, a good was, week. Yeah. But on the year he's hitting 264, 419, 406. Not exciting, but it's, it's 419 is nice. Does, yeah. does on base percentage. The average is basically where his average kind of is. The OBP, it's good. He's at an 18% walk rate. That's great, really. It's considerably higher than, you know, anything he's done elsewhere. Slugging, you know, 416 is not great, but he's always been the guy that had problems translating the raw power into in-game power because of his um, swing and miss tendencies. But he is striking out less, so that's a good sign. Maybe, you know, he'll start making more good contact and, and... implementing that in-game power but like it's not a line that you look at and you're like excited about it's a positive line but you don't be like you know you, you don't go like oh hell yeah he's obping 419 yeah. uh, i don't know about you steve i love me some obp gods well we'll pour one out i poured one out for my boy will toffee that they just traded yeah we'll talk about him in a second but he was hitting like 190 I know, I know. It's been several years since I was a Will Toffee fan. Alright, so we'll move over to Binghamton now. Um, not a exciting week for them either. They went 3-2, and two, which is good. It's above 500. And they're also playing later tonight. So, um, currently they are 18-33, and 33, which is only 15 and a half games behind the first place Somerset Patriots. So, as, yeah, as mentioned, um, one guy that we won't be covering is Will Toffee. He got traded to the Giants in exchange for uh, reliever Anthony Banda. So, Lucas... What did the, what did the Rays trade for Banda in the first... Like, he was a big deal at one point. Yeah, he was. He was a top 100 guy. I remember seeing... I know that Sam McWilliams was involved in a trade that was involving Banda as well. I saw someone, a thread on Twitter. There was like... Three current Mets, or four current Mets, is something weird that were involved in, like all of the trades that Will Toffee has been involved in. Ban- okay, so Banda and Mitch Haniger got traded to Arizona for uh, uh, Giardo Parra in 2014, which is I do not remember that. And then the Wait, Yankees they, they traded the Diamondbacks traded for Mitch Haniger. Yeah. Huh. And him as a prospect. He made his debut there. Do you not remember that? No, I thought they drafted uh, him, though. No, the uh, the Brewers drafted him. Huh. It's oh, a ve- right. He had a very long, like, minor league career. No, and you're then right. And the Yankees, and so hold on. The Yankees got Brandon Drury from Arizona. The Diamondbacks got Steven Souza from the Rays and, Ty- and Taylor Widener from the Yankees. The Rays got Nick Solak from the Yankees and Sam McWilliams and Colin Posh. And then Banda also got traded to the Rays in that trade from Arizona. So it was a three-team trade. And then he, like, blew out his arm. He got Tommy John, like, right away. 
McDrury and McDrury and McWilliams, two yeah. current and or former Mets affiliated people. And the Rays, man, the Rays do so much trading. They traded Solak to the Rangers later for what I don't remember what. Like, jeez, that's their entire model is just trading. Pete Fairbanks, they traded Solak for Fairbanks, and he's been good. And I mean, that's kind of worked. I guess Solak's been kind of bad this month, but yeah, it's so weird. Like they just make trades all the time. It's hard to keep track. And but, they make like five. They win them by five percent every time. It's incredible. Yeah. And, like, the one rare loss is, like, Jake Cronenworth is the guy you shouldn't have traded in that one yeah. because it would have been fine otherwise, you know? Even Fam is, like, solid still, but... Yeah. Lucas, you want to give Taffy one more send-off? I mean, look, I love OBP gods. He was an OBP god, but striking out 40% of the time, batting under 200 isn't going to work. After, Object- like, his third year in AAA or double double A. Double A. Double like, a. objectively, the bat speed was never great. It was more, I mean, this is the kind of classic issue with minor league OBP, like reading into that, uh, because a lot of the time it's just a dude that can't actually hit, but has play discipline. So he just doesn't swing at anything. Um, and that was kind of the case with Toffee. So will I learn anything from this? No, (laughs) give me more OBP gods. But I mean, it's not the worst thing to bet on because if the rest of it develops, yeah. Then it's a good player. It's just sometimes it doesn't, and you get Will Toffee who hits 190 and still has is on base all the time. So is he the last? I'm trying to think of the various crap they got at that deadline. Oh, I think they Nogasek. still they still have Nogasek. They got Bobby Wall along with Toffee for and Familia. Wall LA now he's a Dodger. Yeah. No, yeah, I think he just got DFA too. And no, they they claimed him off of waivers. Yeah. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Which is funny that winter. I mean that that deadline. He's probably the best. He's the best person they got out of that deal. Out of oh. those deals. Yeah, Drew, no, was... Drew Smith is still here, of course, right? Yeah. And he's um, a contributor. That's a dark period. I try to block out of my mind. Let's just trade all our relievers for crap. Makes sense. That was like. Every single trade that came in that deadline, I was like, I don't care about any of the things they got. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, oh, cool, okay. Like, Drew Smith is the only dude, and he's solid. Like, he's nothing amazing. Like, he's, I, mean, I, I didn't even, I didn't even have a problem with the theory. Like, hey, we want to try to contend next year. Let's trade for depth that will help us do that. In theory, they just didn't even pay down salaries, so they got fuck mm-hmm. all. Ryan yeah. Ryder, they also got. Oh yeah. He was from the Indians. What did they send the Indians? Jay Bruce. Uh, Jay Bruce, right. Uh, Eric Hanhold. Mm, yeah. What happened to him? I have no idea. <laughs> he was on the <laughs> Orioles last year. He's in the, yeah, he's in the Orioles system right now. Mediocre at AAA. Yeah. It's just an island where you send your misfit minor leaguers. Mickey Janice giving up, like, nine runs in a relief appearance. Mm-hmm. And then Bautista went in the canoe trade. Just don't do that. Pay down your relievers when you sell, please. Yes. Well, one guy that might be a hitter in Queens, possibly even later this year, but probably not, is Jake Mangum. And he had a really good week this week. On Tuesday, he went two for four. On Wednesday, he went two for four. 
Binghamton was rained out on Thursday, but they had a doubleheader on Friday, and he went two for four in game one, and two for four in game two. And he didn't play on Saturday, but he did have a pinch hit appearance, but he grounded out. But all in all, he was eight for eighteen, so that's oh, that's Jake Mankum's gonna make the majors, isn't he? Well, unfortunately, all yes. eight of those hits were singles, except for one. One was a double, but uh, uh, he's. He's hitting right now 269, 300, 425. And the walk rate is not great. It's 3.6%. But Ichiro had a low walk rate too, right? So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah, first Jake. time you'll ever hear the, the rare Jank <laughs> Mangum Ichiro comp. That's actually the second time that I've compared the two. So <laughs> only on this show, folks. But yeah, Mangum, he like straddles a line between actual viable guy and uh, I don't want to say like like sideshow he's he's not like a Tebow he is a legit guy but like a novelty player I guess I don't know how's his defense at this point right like this sounds very uh Albert Almora e but probably worse I mean he was when when last I checked he was a very good well I don't want to say very good center fielder because he's like a solid center fielder right? yeah yeah he is a solid he's a major league fielder. caliber center fielder I should say Yes, that's a fair way of putting this it. This is like 80% of Albert Almora. Well, Albert Almora is not the SEC head king, so. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why I, it, it, it bothers me so much. Like, Jake Bankham seems like a really cool dude. He ripped the NCAA on his way out the door, which, you know, more power to him. Mm-hmm. Um, something about this dude making the majors is gonna annoy me. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it's like 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 everyone else is just he has such a fan base of support with him because of you know where he came from and 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 all of that so it's kind of that thing like you just everyone's just like yeah Jake Mangum and you're just like yeah but he's not really that great and the more people are like yeah Jake Mangum you're just like all right come on like he's not good and he's a true like 1950s ass player like yeah like yeah. he he's one of those dudes who would have been like a gamer and would have had like six seasons in the majors when he shouldn't have, like, before people knew about stats. Like, you know, he would have been one of those dudes. Like, he just reminds you of such a throwback type of player that you kind of root for him a little bit because that player doesn't exist anymore, and then you re- you remember why they don't exist anymore because, like, you just want to hit home runs now. <laughs> like, the game has been optimized past that. He would have a good high pockets mangum, you know. He would have a good ah. old I mean, nickname. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm more annoyed. The thing that might annoy me the most is that his name is Mangum and not Magnum. I know, I know. I typed Magnum so many times, and then I would have to look I, at it. I'm not going to lie. On draft night, I read it as Magnum. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm here for this guy. This guy's got an awesome name. And then, like, two days later, I realized, wait, it's Mangum? Fuck. <laughs> I'm, sure I'm no that. longer excited. I'm sure he's used to that. Mm-hmm. Well, the speak- line, the Danny DeVito's line from South Park, uh, South Park, always sunny, sticks out in my head here. I don't need to say, it, repeat that on the pod, honestly. I, I know what you're saying, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of guys that are kind of like tweener, farmhand prospect dudes, Carlos Cortez added seven more hits to his line, two of which are doubles and one is a home run. He's so going to be majors. Yeah, he is currently hitting 284, 347, 537 with nine home runs. And he's a quote-unquote outfielder. Um, I, I think I've said this before, but like McGill and like he should, might just play his way into the majors at some point where like I'm not 
the biggest McGill. I like he, McGill looks fine. He looks like a major league player. But like before this year, when he was hitting, when he was pitching, I mean, pitching really well, I was like, oh yeah, he's gonna play his way into a spot because you just you can't deny that at some point the dude deserves a shot. You know, even if you're not a huge fan of his game, yep. and I, that's gonna be something that happens with Cortez. And I'm fine with that. Give any, give anyone you need a shot. Like you never know what works. Yeah, if it helps the Mets, whatever. Um, Wagner Lagrange, kind of out of nowhere. He he had a really good week this week, six for fifteen with two home runs. He, I don't think, has the ceiling of a major leaguer, but you know, good good for him this week. He'll hit like two eighty and yeah. and not do much else and stick around for a while. Yeah, he he he's like the he reminds me of like the. All the random sort of airfielders that always felt like they're just around forever back in the day. He's like the Steven Sabol of like 2021. <laughs> of the, of the late 2020s. Uh, def, definitely not last year is Mark Vientos. And obviously we know all about his week last week. He was hot as anyone is in, in baseball. Cooled down a little bit this week, but he wasn't bad or anything. Played in four games. He went five for 13 with a double. No home runs. Um, it's encouraging to see him hitting, you know, decently, well, more, 5 for 13 is more than decently, hitting yep. good against one of the better pitching teams in the league. Um, Richmond is fourth in the league in the East, double A, Northeast, Northeast, uh, 12 teams. They're fourth in, you know, uh, runs allowed, so, or, or should I say runs prevented, whatever. But, you know, m- some of my doubts, or that he's been facing some cruddy pitching lately, and that once they started facing good pitching teams again, he would cool off. And you know, the home runs are not there, but still, he's he's putting bat on ball. He's not striking out, so it's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, a team that's not looking too encouraging right now is unfortunately the Brooklyn Cyclones. They had yeah. a a lousy they week. Yeah, two for five against the Aberdeen Ironbirds, so they are eighteen and thirty-four on the year, which is uh, fifteen games behind the Hudson Valley Renegades. And you know, it just was not a very fun week. Um, Luke Ritter added to his home run lead, his team leading tenth home run. He hit a little bit earlier this afternoon, so I think that kind of puts the Cyclones' season in perspective. Luke Ritter is the home run leader. Look, I'm all aboard the Brett Beatty hype train, and I'm very excited for him to be promoted to double A and all that. I'm still just a little tiny, partially bit concerned that there aren't more homers. Well, he had a very solid week. He's really one of the only guys that did. He went 9 for 20, but no real power, as you're kind of saying. Eight of those nine hits were singles, and then the other one was a double. Yeah. Uh, he walked once. He struck out three times. And he played another game in the outfield. And these are away games. It wasn't at Coney Island. But hey, I mean, you're hitting nine for twenty. That's I'll, yeah. I'll I think you could develop basically. That. If Brad Beatty turns into a no power five hundred hitter, all of a sudden I'll take that. Why not? The first Brett Beatty Ichiro comp. I can't wait for it. <laughs> Jesus. Um. Francisco Alvarez, he was showing some major power at the end of the series against the Blue Claws, but he cooled off. He's just 3 for 16, uh, last week, all singles. 
two walks, three strikeouts, so, you know, he didn't look overmatched, nothing like that, but definitely a down week. Uh, Ronnie Mauricio had a down week. Uh, he only played in three games, and then he apparently... His hand, jammed, right? Yeah, his jammed his wrist or his hand or something when, when the Cyclones are playing the doubleheader on Wednesday, but the x-rays were good, so really it's just a matter of some rest and, and letting the swelling and whatever go down. I so. mean, literally just sit them into, like, how many days is it till the Futures game break now at this point? Like a week? Yeah. Next sit them for week. Monday. You could very easily, like, sit them for most of a week, and then he effectively gets two weeks off. and he should That might be, be good for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot more. And, the, and the wrist is one of those things that, like, lingers and sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That could that could wipe your season. A bad wrist. Oh yeah. One guy that is uh having a bad season, and really it's because he's just completely overmatched, is Adrian Hernandez. And I don't understand why he is on the cyclones at this point. I mean it was kinda of weird that he was assigned there, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Well, at this point, I guess a month or so ago. And you could have seen it, like, okay, they're challenging him, but he clearly is... is Not up to it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he went... This week, he went 0 for 15 with no walks and eight strikeouts. And in the month of June, he's 5 for 47 with no walks and 23 strikeouts. And on the year, he's hitting 133, 153, 169 with one home run, two walks, and 36 strikeouts in 25 games. So I'm fine trying, but... You gotta pull the plug when it's time. Yeah. I think, I think we've all, we had this conversation in the offseason about how it's easier to challenge pitchers than hitters, right? Like, a pitcher can still get something out of throwing to hitters that are better than him. A hitter's not gonna get anything out of being yeah, this like, overmatched. What is he like, gaining from going like 0 for 15 with 8 strikeouts in a week? Like, he's just getting sad. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I don't blame him. You don't want him to be sad. I would be too, because if I was trying to become a professional baseball player, and that's the week I had, and the month that I had like that, I'd be like, "Damn, am I really cut out for that?" You know, like absolutely, it's, it's easy to just fall into something like that with a game as hard as baseball. And yeah. with a pitcher, you could, like you said, you could learn stuff. But this is just, I don't know, this is just de- de- detrimental. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the, co- the confidence factor is huge because then I think you can slip into bad habits that you're just doing what you can to survive as opposed to what's best for you long term. Where again, as a pitcher, like you could very easily go to your pitcher. Yeah, we don't care what happens today. You're going to throw your p- pitches this percentage of the time. We want you to understand how they work. It, it's a lot easier to get value out of that because you control the ball. Mm-hmm. Whereas a hitter, you're you're fundamentally at the mercy of the pitcher to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's just 20 years old. He just turned 20 this year, so he is one of the youngest players in the league. Yeah. Why, you know, you don't need to push him like this. Youngest he's, players with a who just missed a whole year of development. Like I, I don't, I don't get it. Too. I mean, I do, I do want to say that also makes what Alvarez is doing really impressive. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where he's not, he is the youngest player in the league by yeah. like a calendar year, mm-hmm. and he's not only holding his own; he's good at that level like the batting average is a little low but whatever it's batting average like i understand but everything else is fine like he does not look overmatched at all at at that age it's impressive the only possible reason i could conceptualize not understand but (laughs) it's a dumb reason but i could conceptualize the mets having is that they want to keep getting adrian hernandez reps in center field because 
Alex Ramirez is in center in St. Lucie, but it just ain't that serious. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, think about that for a second. The, the other guys in the corners in St. Lucie, Cole Kless, Joe Suozzi, Brandon McElwain, none of those guys should be getting at-bats over Hernandez. Also, it's the outfield, right? right it's not it's... like you're moving him off short to play first. Yeah. You're moving like... him from center to left. It's the same thing. There's also, no you could, fantasy. you could split them. You could move right. them. Mm-hmm. If you really there's, want there's a reason when we play it. fantasy, we have yeah. infield positions, but outfield, outfield, outfield. It's the outfield. Like I'm not saying that like center field's harder than the other two, but also you could sure. split it in a week. You know, like right. one guy could play three times, one guy could play four times, and then you switch it. Then like you don't have to put the guy in the box in a box and just play him in the same corner every day. Like right. you could get around that if that's really the reason. Make sure he gets an extra half an hour of fielding before games if you're really that concerned in center. You know, like, it's just, that's the only thing I could say, and it's a stupid, you know. That's really, like, the the, the, the teams are bad and they're losing, and I understand, but don't put your prospects in this situation. No. Because this just gets, this just, there's nothing good that comes from stuff like this, and it annoys me. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the one team that is not doing bad, we will talk about now, St. Lucie. They did have a bad week, though. They went 2-4. and four. So last week they had a 500 week. This week they had a sub-500 week. So they are at 28 and 26 on the year. But that's still three and a half games in first because uh, the rest of Low A, Southeast East, the Daytona Torcucas, the Jupiter Hammerheads, the Palm Beach Cardinals – who are the Reds, Marlins, and, and Cardinals affiliates. They are all f- sub-500 teams. So if St. Lucie was in the low A southeast-west, they would be in fifth place out of sixth. So thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Low A southeast-west. What the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> thank God they're in the southeast-east instead of the southeast-west. That's all I, 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 I thank God for the southeast-east, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, as, as we mentioned before, Alexander Ramirez, he is hitting. He had a seven-game hitting yep. streak snapped today, Sunday, um, and this week wasn't necessarily his strongest week, but definitely an encouraging first month of uh, professional baseball for him. He was 5 for 20 this week, and then on the year so far, he is hitting 264, 333, 422. Big, two huge homers. Eyes, <laughs> Yeah, two homers. Uh, 10 stolen bases, 7 walks to 39 strikeouts in 24 games. You know, it's whatever. This is his first month as a professional. I think he's doing better than I, you know, would have thought he would have done. That's uh, very much someone to keep an eye on, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, he is the Mets' top outfield prospect to me. Like, clearly, like I was saying before, it's just not very exciting. Ramirez, he's young, he has the potential, he's doing well. It's exciting. Nothing against healthy, right? Huh? You mean healthy ones? Like yeah, well, yeah. I mean, PCA is kind of in limbo right now. Yeah, he's not playing. Um, I I guess maybe Jalen Palmer uh, is an outfielder now too. I would put consider him him over Palmer. Yeah, Palmer's been disappointing. I was like looking at, at Palmer as someone who's going to blow up this year, and he hasn't, unfortunately. 
I mean, he's not doing bad. He he had another weird week. Mm-hmm. Um, he went five for fourteen. He drew four walks. He struck out only twice. Added three more stolen base, so that's eighteen on the season. It's a weird. The, the lack of power right now is is weird, but the the massive amount of walks that all of a sudden he's drawing and he's not striking out at a terrible rate at this point. Remember how I said I wasn't going to learn any lessons from Will Toffee? <laughs> oh no, I'm with you. I'm with you, Lucas, all the way. Oh, I know. I, I think that, honestly, I, th- I think we as a collective whole were higher on Jalen Palmer than anybody, any other sources in Mets prospect world, the Mets prospect sphere. I think so. I think yeah. so. Correct. I mean, there's a lot to like. He's still very young. Um, and look, and, if you're an OB, if you're a hyper athletic on base percentage god who can play center field and steal bases, uh, yes. And at first, I thought all the stolen bases was as a consequence of the new rule, but then I went back. It was it's high A that has yeah. the really advantageous rule. At low A, all it is is that. Um, Pitchers are limited to two pickoffs attempts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is all, you know, 18 stolen bases. That's all on his own. He's not it's also a 90% success rate. Yes. So Can you imagine see. him with the rules? Yeah. <laughs> it'll be on third after every... <laughs> you'll just yeah. just put him there. Just let him start a third. It's fine. I, I always... like he was, Just even watching, like, videos after he was drafted and then seeing him in Kingsport, like, I knew he was athletic and he had some speed, but this is, like... He's fast. Yeah, this is like unexpected speed, which is good. Definitely like this. And that's like uh-huh. I know it's I know it's taboo in baseball now, but it's fun. I we talk about it a lot. But dudes yeah. running like that, oh yeah. Like when the Mets were doing it for a little bit, mm-hmm. they were just let Jonathan VR be dumb on the base paths and run around. I was mm-hmm. all in because it's fun. Yeah. No, and th- those are like some of the few rule changes I don't hate. Like get get makes steals more viable. Hmm. Um. And also, like, if you reduce pickoff throws, I bet that would speed up the game too, right? Like, that might be my yeah. You know, I'm actually not sure if I had the same opinion in the original pod where we talked about this, but I think the the only two pickoff throws per plate appearance might be my favorite change of the uh, of the rules, aside from the bigger bag one, which just makes sense and they should do. I mean, more than three, more than two pickoffs is always. You know, you throw out one pickoff, it's like okay. You throw a second pick off, you're just like, all right, come on. When If a guy throws a third one, that's when he starts getting all the booze. Everyone just so. starts, yeah, no one likes it. And yeah, it slows so things down. Two is a fair cutoff, I think. Definitely. Um, rest of the team, you know, the rest of the kind of interesting guys on the team, Jose Peroza, Warren Sander, Saunders, um, Brandon McElwain, Joe Suozzi. Nobody struggled necessarily, but nobody really... You know, stood out, and then obviously uh, St. Louis didn't play too many games this week, so no one really did anything of note there. Mm-hmm. Looking at the pitching situation, um, Junior Santos threw a complete game, six inning game, which is something you don't see too much. It was and a double header, yeah, <laughs> double header. So it was seven innings to begin with, and then St. Louis gave up like five runs. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great, but he he got that CG. That's all that matters. Um, we ranked Santos 15th on our top prospect list. So far, he has a 628 ERA in 32 and two-thirds yeah. innings, 42 was, hits allowed. 
20 walks, 34 strikeouts. It's actually oddly almost exactly the same numbers that he put up in Kingsport and exactly the same amount of innings, which is weird. Uh, Lucas, you're definitely more of a results-oriented guy, and obviously yeah. the results are not really there. And we haven't really seen any big step forwards um, in any, like, one aspect of his game. You know, like, we're talking about, like, Jalen Palmer. Like, he's cutting down on the strikeouts. Yeah. Like, you could yeah. say, regardless of everything else, like, we see some progress. Junior Santos, not so much. But, 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 I think we are overlooking, and it doesn't really come up too much, how young he is. I was you just know. looking that up comparative to the league. Yeah, um, he is the third youngest pitcher in the low A Southeast. And honestly, the two other guys are well within the margin of error to say it's all legible. He's two days older than the guy that's uh, the Phillies' first-round pick, Mick Abel. And then he's exactly two months older than the youngest pitcher, um, Dax Fulton. And all those guys actually have very similar numbers, which is, again, a, a, again another weird uh, coincidence with, with Santos here. But, you know, we talk about Alvarez gets a handicap because, when, I mean, he's doing well, but if he wasn't doing well, he would get a handicap. And Alex Ramirez and, and Mark Vientos, like all these guys are super young, so whatever. And we kind of don't really discuss that too much with Santos. Partially, I guess, because he is a pitcher, so he only pitches, starting pitcher. So only pitches, you know, once every five days or so, but it but is something to be there. I think it matters. And then the only other pitcher really worth talking about on St. Lucie is JT Ginn. And he was, eh, again, two runs over five and a third innings, four hits, a walk, four strikeouts. You know, the fastball's a little down. Slider wasn't really getting as many whips, but this is just micro-analyzing to the point that it doesn't actually matter. I mean, as long as his arm is still attached and he doesn't yep. hurt anything, that's that's all that matters. Yep. All good. I mean, of course, if he starts getting completely blown up, I'm going to change my tune there a little bit. But Right, then we have to start looking and see, like, well, what is going on here? Yeah, like, is it because of his arm or whatever? But he's fine. Um all I really want is him to get into next season with a full slate so he could go on from there. Yep. Agreed on that front. And he's not really bad. Even like, yes, yeah. it's like, it's not like, like I said, he's not getting lit up every time he goes out there. He's fine. He's having fine starts. And if he's having fine starts at 75% of what he is, then that's kind of exciting, but that's yeah. in the future. That's yeah, exactly. He's, he's at 75 working his way back to hundred. So uh, yep. it's all good. And now, last but not least, are the FCL Mets, the former GCL Mets, the Florida Complex League Mets. So, in effect, the, the league, the Florida Complex League, is the former Gulf Coast League, except we have an, an unnecessary name change here. <laughs> um, and I would say, like, oh, yeah, to get some more merchandise money, but they still literally have, like, the same – they still have the GCL patches on their <laughs> Just like the Cyclones still have the New York Penn League – uniforms. That's so bad. Yeah, and, and the websites are all still, you know, appropriately branded as, you know, Eastern League, International League, South Atlantic League, blah, 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 but um, yeah, but the FCL Mets, these guys are the rawest of the raw players. They're the, the newest professional baseball guys that were playing the DSL, and now they're making their stateside debut, or 
high school kids that were drafted or, or they're going to be drafted this year. You get mm-hmm. some lower level D2, D3 college guys, you know, probably sprinkled in from the upcoming draft. These are the kind of players that are going to be on the, the FCL Nets. I'm assuming there's going to be a ton of turnover because, um, oh, A, yeah. there always is, but, B, more so than than in the past years, you know, baseball executives are still going to be trying to figure out uh, talent distribution, you know, uh, at, you know, the FC, at the complex as opposed to high A, as opposed to low A. So there's going to be lots of guys bumping up and down, but at least for right now, starting out, there's a, there's really a bunch of interesting names. Um, just guys to be aware of. Jace Beck, Robert Colina, Robert Dominguez, Saul Gonzalez, William Lugo, Junior Tillian, Blaine McIntosh, Eduardo Salazar, Yoral Martinez, and our, our old friend Stanley Consuegra, who I feel like we've been ranking him forever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Why do they have Adrian Hernandez in high A and Stanley Consuegra in the FCL? Like, I feel like that should be switched. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. I think that sums everything up. All right, well, I mean, I guess that could be considered Will Ponry, that you have two guys, you know, that are, are very similar and they are multiple levels um, apart. So. That is- I, I ha- was going to mention some other potential Will Pottery actually from from this week, which has a wonderful consequence for said Will Pottery. Go ahead and spread the Will Pottery with us. That that being uh, after uh, the wonderful success that was Parlor and the uh, <laughs> collapse of Trump's blogging uh, uh, blogging career, uh, they made a new app called Getter. G-E-T-T-R, yes. I don't even know about this one. Yes. Like, and I have it's, no idea where you're going with They this. literally, like, have copied the tw- Twitter's code base, it looks like. Um, so that is that is the core of the Wilponery, I suppose. But the reason I'm bringing this up is for the, the, the how the internet responded to it, that being they have filled Getter with Sonic porn. <laughs> As you do. Yes. So yeah, the, no. the new right-wing media app is now just Littered with uh, various smut from Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog. Incredible. The internet is uh, remains undefeated. I would ask why there is a lot of Sonic porn, but unfortunately, rule, I know, Steve, Rule Thirty Four. I know, and I know that Sonic fans, for whatever reason, are also really, really strange, <laughs> and it sucks because I really like Sonic the Hedgehog, but. <laughs> Uh, I have no further comments on this, uh, on that particular line of questioning. Um, yeah, uh, so just, uh, I, I wish, I wish all Will Pottery was, uh, uh, received such a satisfying response, <laughs> shall we say. All right. Well, I think we could leave it at that. <laughs> if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvahos 343. Ken, who's been sitting here this whole time but just had nothing to say. <laughs> he is at Ken Lavin 91. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Um, subscribe to the podcast where I get your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. 
and we be we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.